When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. It's the morning after the night before, and I'm not talking about the sports social work party last night. Although Burnley fans might have had a few celebratory drinks last night after beating Southampton 2-0 in the Premier League, their first home game without Sean Dyche for nine and a half years, and it resulted in three points. We'll look at that top flight result on today's show, as well as the news that Manchester United have filled their managerial vacancy for next season. As expected, Ajax boss Eric Tenag will touch down at Old Trafford in the summer. Will he be a success? And how do the fans feel about his appointment? We'll get the opinion of someone who lives and breathes United for their opinion very shortly. Plus, with a month to go of the season, the chance of rumours are beginning to heat up again. Is Declan Rice set for a big money move out of London this summer? That's just one of the headlines on today's back pages. This is Football Social Daily, your award-winning Premier League podcast with a new episode each and every day of the campaign. My name's Niall and I'll level with you. I'll be honest, I had a few beers last night and a few wines and vodkas <laughs> and equally as guilty a Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson joining us on the show today. <laughs> Morning, fellas. Morning. Hey, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I was a model professional last night, so... Yeah. Um, more like a modello professional with the amount of beers you sank last night. <laughs> <laughs> that bucket of beer went down very quickly. Hey, if, if anything's free, I'm all over it. Like a like a tramp on chips. <laughs> I'm having it. <laughs> uh, well, we go from three to three because three points is what Burnley picked up last night against Southampton. We'll come on to that shortly. But the big news from yesterday doesn't come from that game. It comes from Old Trafford. As Manchester United have appointed Eric Tenag as their new manager, he'll arrive from Ajax in the summer. And to talk about it, we're joined by Jay Motti from the brilliant fan channel Stretford Paddock, which you can find on YouTube and social media. And of course, the podcast is on the sports social podcast network morning jay how you doing mate i'm all right i'm i'm, I'm worried about you lads though you're all a bit delicate do you want me to keep <laughs> my, my volumes down i don't want to shout no. too loud no 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 you can do as much talking as you want jay honestly <laughs> i promise you that um yesterday eric tenag was announced um we've known about this for a little while it was made official what are your initial reactions mate are you happy 
yeah, I mean, like you say, we've known about it for a little while. I don't think it caught anyone by surprise. Um, and we've all had a chance to, to sort of brush up on him and look about what, what you know, his record and, and the style of football that he plays. And he seems to be the, the, the logical choice. He's had a lot of success at Ajax. And, you know, I've, I've spoke to a few people and they're a bit dismissive. They go, oh, well, it's Ajax, it's, it's, it's a Dutch league. And I think you need to remember, you know, Ajax had gone a few years about winning a title before he got there. He's won, you know, several. He's won. I think he's won two titles. He's on for a third. Won a couple of cups as well. Obviously, had some decent Champions League runs and plays football the right way. So it does seem like it, it's a, a good decision by the club. Also, I'm impressed with the fact that he's built a team, lost several players, the likes of uh, Ziyech and Dilit, De Jong and Van der Beek, of course, and then rebuilt it again and had success. So he knows how to move players around. He knows how to rebuild. He knows how to play football the right way. He has won things. It just remains to be seen how successful he can be at United because he's going from a well-oiled machine to an absolute shambles. Let's not kid ourselves. United have been a mess for you know since Fergie retired. Now it looks like the club are making the right moves in terms of you know keeping on Ralph Ragnick as a consultant, having the likes of Darren Fletcher involved, for example. But the structure at United over the last few years has been a mess. And if he's coming into that and he's having to deal with that, as well as a whole host of players who are out of contracts, he's got his work cut out. There's no mistake about that. Yeah, I mean, you're right using the word rebuild. I think everyone, whether you're a United fan or not, can see that work needs to be done in reconstructing Manchester United and bringing them back to where they feel they should be. And you mentioned that rebuild and what Eric Ten Hag's credentials are. What do you think are the most important things that he needs to be a success at Manchester United? For me, it's time and some transfer windows. Is that something the fans agree with as well? Yeah, I mean, he definitely needs time. Listen, you've seen it this season. You've seen that. We finished second last season, but this season we've had a reminder of how far away we are. The results against the likes of Liverpool and Manchester City, the points gap as well, the fact that we have struggled, not even against those teams, against some of the so-called lesser teams as well. There's a massive job on 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 the on his hands here for Eric Ten Hag. And I think the, pan, the fans appreciate that. I think we know it's not going to take, as you just said there, one transfer window when everything's rosy. He also needs the owners and, and the, the money men and the bankers who've been involved in the club as well to get out of his way let him coach the team let him have a say in the transfers not being forced to make deals or transfers forced upon him which is the, the kind of impression you get with some managers in the past at Manchester United and I think as well he needs to be able to sort of bring through the younger players that he wants I mean the key element you named it is time bit of time and a bit of patience because there's no quick fix here at Manchester United it's going to take a little while but I, th- I feel like from what I've seen I don't know loads about it, I'm not going to pretend I do but from what I've seen and what he's done at Ajax and the reputation he's got if you give him time if you give him the right back in then he will have success it's just that's what he needs at Manchester United a bit of time and patience Does this feel different to the previous four appointments post Sir Alex Ferguson Jay in terms of your personal perspective you've been on the terraces of, of Old Trafford for years and years you've seen the success you've seen the dips uh, and all of the trophies and, and all of the low moments that have gone along with that ride because you mentioned a previous Manchester United manager, um, I mean, Jose Mourinho would be the prime example where he was always kind of complaining that he never got his first choice signings and stuff like that. And the reports in the papers today are that United um, might be willing to bring in uh, Steve McLaren to assist uh, Eric Ten Hag, but there's also a report saying that United have vetoed that decision. Is it a case of whoever Eric Ten Hag wants, just get them? And stop asking questions and just let the man get on with his job. Is that is that the feeling? Yeah, I mean, there's two parts of that. You said, you know, is, is it a case of just backing him and letting him bring in who he wants? Yeah, 100%. I think a manager should be able to bring in who they want. They should be able to have the right backroom staff. That's 
essential. There's always this sort of feeling that, I don't know how true it is, but that once Jose Mourinho lost Rui Faria, the summer changed a little bit with him. It wasn't quite as happy. There's also the, the, the feeling that perhaps David Moyes didn't have the right backroom staff as well as, as the, 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 the issues he had himself. In terms of, does this feel different? I think the reason this feels different, very Ten Hag, is I think all the managers we've had post Alex Ferguson, there's been a, a sort of a flaw or something that worries you a little bit with him. David Moyes, he hadn't won anything. He'd had this long spell at Everton, I think 10 years, where he'd been stable, if a bit uninspiring. And then he comes into Manchester United, the, succeeding Sir Alex Ferguson, literally the biggest job in football. It's just, it, it, you know, I know hindsight's a good thing, but I think a lot of fans at the time were like, this is a bit of a gamble. You look at Louis van Gaal, great manager, but his best time was probably two decades earlier. That was when he was most successful at Ajax winning Champions Leagues and, and titles and, and stuff like that. So you think, OK, he's a good manager, but is he somewhat on his decline? Jose Mourinho, again, fantastic manager, but he'd just been sacked off Chelsea. He'd had the worst title defence since David Moyes. It was like, he felt like there was some was slightly unravelling. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, a club legend, we love him as a player, but he always got that job on the back of his caretaker role. And when you looked at his CV, a couple of titles at Molder in Norway, yep, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. But it did feel a bit like, you know, the, the, the sort of criticism of him was, has he got the pedigree to be a manager of Manchester United? Well, you look at Ten Hag, I know he's not a spring chicken, you know, he's not saying he's very old, but he's, I think he's 52, is he? But he feels like a manager who's on the up. He's progressing, he's, his star is rising, whereas all the managers I've mentioned, it didn't feel like that when it came to Manchester United. They're either slightly in decline or somewhat unproven at this level. Yeah, I mean, I thought someone wrote in a newspaper yesterday what they said was, was spot on. You know, Ten Hag's rise has been measured and not meteoric. And I think that's a really good way to describe his managerial career. At the moment, we don't know where Manchester United will finish in the Premier League this season. Jay, they could finish fourth and get into the Champions League. Remarkably, that's still a possibility. Big game against Arsenal on Saturday, of course. I've heard you say, and other United fans say, on this podcast even, that you wouldn't be um, too bothered if you finished eighth and you were out of Europe entirely to give Eric Tenag a good opportunity next season to build. What represents a good season for United next term? I mean, nobody, I think, is realistically suggesting that you're going to challenge for the Premier League title. But at the same time, if United are 16th or 17th, there's going to be a few questions, understandably. So for you, what do you think will be deemed acceptable for next season for, for United supporters? Well, like you said, I can only speak for myself. I think progress is the key word. He's got a big job on his hand. If I can see him sort of moving the club forward, moving the team forward, bringing in the right players, then I'll accept that. I think in terms of top, um, you know, where we finish in the league and, and trophies-wise, I'd want to see us challenging for silverware. I don't think you can come into Manchester United and go, well, there are shambles, there are mess. I don't expect me to, to, to even remotely challenge for a, a cup. I think we, we have to still be able to turn up in games and, and try and you know, try and get a bit of silverware. I'm a spoiled United fan. I'm in my 40s, so I've seen us win the lot. I get we're not at that stage anymore, but it's been five years without a trophy now. And for a club that spent a billion quid since Sir Alex Ferguson retired, that's not good enough. So I'd want to see us challenging for trophies. I don't think we're going to have a title challenge. I'm not under any misconceptions there. But I think if we can see a little bit of progress, if we can see he's moving the players out that need moving out, bringing in the players that we need, also nurturing those youngsters and playing football that's, that's entertaining, then I, I personally will be able to stomach that because, like I've said earlier, we, we understand that the, the task he's, he's got is, is mammoth. And it pains me to say it, and I've said this a few times, but I will point at it. If you look at Jurgen Klopp when he went into Liverpool, he was sort of pretty honest, wasn't he? He didn't come in and go, we're going to win the title this season or next season. He said, it's going to take a few years, but we'll get there. 
and, and he did. And people could see the, the developments and the progress. You know, they went from losing Europa League finals and League Cup finals to losing a Champions League final, which is, you know, it's not great, but it's better. <laughs> and then challenging for a Premier League title and then winning a Champions League. There was that progress where you could see what he was doing. And I think if we can see what um, Eric Ten Hag is doing, and he's honest as well, and people are just sort of accepting of that, then, yeah, I'll be happy with that. Jay, brilliant to talk to you, mate. Eric Tenag, the new Manchester United manager. Stretford Paddock YouTube channel, more than half a million subscribers now and ticking up every single day. Loads of great content on there, as well as the podcast, which is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm sure there'll be a lot more Eric Tenag chat on Stretford Paddock in the future, mate. Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to chatting to you guys. And can I just give another plug as well? Because I'm, I'm, I never stop me. We've got the three points in the uh, in the Gaff podcast. Yes, there. It's myself, Pundit J, and Mike's a City fan. So, if there's any City fans listening? Check that out as well, because you, as you can imagine, there's a lot of arguing that goes on on that one. <laughs> and we get quite a few listeners on this show that aren't from the UK. So if you don't know what a gaff is, can Jay, can you just explain that Mancunian slang? <laughs> <laughs> it means all sorts. It means your house, your home, your, your stadium. It's just, you know, wherever you lay your hat, that's your gaff. <laughs> well, Jay's leaving our gaff now. Great to speak to you, mate. All the best. Thanks a lot, lads. Take care. Great to hear from Jay Motti from Stretford Paddock. As he said, the three points in the Gaff podcast, as well as the Stretford Paddock Manchester United show, are on the Sports Social Podcast Network and available on all podcast platforms. So if you are a Manchester United fan, go and get some views from other supporters by checking out those two shows. Joel, you're a United fan as well. Jay made some really good points there. What's your reaction to Tenag's appointment as the new Manchester United manager? Yeah, I just echo exactly what he was saying, especially about the pedigree in comparison to all of the other managers that we've had. He just seems to be the only one where he's been hired as a rising star rather than someone who is either on the way down or is still very much unproven. So for me, he's still a, he still is a massive risk. I think there's no mistake about that, considering the Dutch league is a very different animal compared to the Premier League, uh, as it would have been with Pochettino. I think anyone coming into the United job is is a massive risk because the pressures are just probably it's probably the most pressured job behind I would say the Real Madrid job. In all honesty, so every manager has it all to prove, and especially one that's been in the Dutch league. So I don't have expectations which are absolutely sky high in terms of what he should achieve in his first or second season. But it's good progressive steps from the club, which for the last 10 years have been has been completely run like a circus. So it's, it's a step in the right direction. Um, and I just hope that the board continue to back him and don't try and go against what he wishes to happen. Because as we've seen in the last decade, every time they'd go against the manager in terms of transfers, in terms of strategy. It ends up in one direction. So I'm just hoping that it continues and he has the power that has been speculated that he'll have. Marley, you're a neutral in this situation, being a Newcastle United fan. Do you reckon Eric Tenag will be a success? Uh, I'm, I don't know really because he's... I, the one thing I, I, I do have with this whole situation is the fact that Ajax is so different to to any other club in Europe, in in my opinion. I think they almost exist in their own little bubble. Like, no club is run like them. You know, they made the switch in, I think it was the late 80s or early 90s, to to be a sort of self-sustaining club, which when they they sell stars at the top of the the game and then replace them with youth. Um, You know, you've seen that with the likes of De Ligt and De Jong in the last couple of years, and, and you can go back further than that if you like as well. But... 
I think um, any manager or, or even player that comes out of Ajax needs to know that it's very, very different. And nobody gets that um, understanding until they move, until you make that leap. Um, and you've seen that with players. You look at Donny van der Beek and he was one of the best players at, at Ajax for, for two or three years before he uh, he made the move to Man United and couldn't get a game. And then even at Everton, now he's not getting a game. So I think um, you've got to kind of... Uh, You've got to kind of take that risk to find out what it's like, but be be very aware that it's not the same as as what you're used to. Um, and Ten Hag is, you know, he's, he's obviously done done very well as as uh, as Ajax manager, and he's he did well before that. I think he was I think he was at FC Twenty before that. Um, but yeah, it's it's like I feel like it's the right decision because Pochettino would have always had that thing. Of like lingering over him of oh you never won anything at Spurs and you you've never won anything in your career except you know a French League Cup and and possibly a French title this year if he'd if he'd have, have stayed and got announced in the summer type of thing but um yeah I think I think Ten Hag's probably the right decision to be fair um but it is very very different and there's a hell of a lot of work to be done at Man United you see you see the squad and you don't think. You know, no, no Man United player are getting the Liverpool team. No Man United player are getting in the Man City team, and that is that is where they are. So they do need a big rebuild. Um, I think Solskjaer started it when he was there, but Ten Hag has to has to finish the job and and get the results at the end of it when he finishes it. So I have to wait and see what happens. But he's 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 not got a uh, a short to do list. It's a long long, um, you know, order of business to to crack on with as soon as he gets through the door in the summer yeah and even though he's not in the building just yet work will start I'm sure from Saturday half 12 kickoff Manchester United's new manager Eric Tenag will arrive in the summer from Ajax that game against Arsenal along with a couple of other Premier League fixtures will be analysed in the dugout podcast with myself Matty Fryer formerly of Hull City and Leicester City and Trevor Stephen once of England Everton and Burnley what a time it's been for him as an Evertonian and a Burnley fan uh, they'll be joining me on the podcast which will be out later today so hit subscribe and you won't miss that that's the dugout from us here at Football Social Daily and speaking of one of Trevor's former clubs Burnley they were in action last night their first home game without Sean Dyche for nearly 10 years resulted in a 2-0 victory we'll talk about that next on Football Social Daily Football Social Daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League show from us at Sport Social. Award-winning as well, by the way, if you haven't heard the news. I'm sure you have. We've absolutely banged the drum about it for ages now. Um, we won a podcast award recently, um, so you're in the right place to get your Premier League news on a daily basis in podcast form. We appreciate your support as ever. Thanks for subscribing to the show if you have done. If you haven't, you can get a new one of these every single day of the season just by hitting that subscribe button or follow or whatever it may be, however you listen to your podcast. Right, last night in the Premier League, there was a match on. Burnley versus Southampton at Turf Moor. And the Clarets, in desperate trouble, picked up three points. They beat Saints by two goals to nil. Piles the pressure back on Everton, Joel. It's hard to explain just how big that result is for Burnley Football Club, isn't it? That is massive. I think we were discussing yesterday just how, on a, on a knife edge, this uh, relegation battle is at the moment. I think one aspect to say is that, obviously, the departure of Sean Dyche was quite distasteful but if they manage to stay up this season I think a lot of us will be eating a lot of humble pie because we've everyone's been pretty critical of how they let go of Daesh didn't have a contingency plan they didn't know who to bring in it seemed very off the cuff and not planned out however if they do manage to stay up I think I think a lot of us owe an apology to the um, to the Burnley owners because right now mm. that's what two wins from two. Yeah. Um, I mean, it feels, um, Joel. It feels like, for want of a better term, it's sh- or bust. Well, that's the only way it was going to go, wasn't it? I mean, they they had to they had to do something. <laughs> it's simple yeah, as that. They had isn't to it? do something to change up uh, their form because even though I think I think with Sean Dyche, he had a bit of a a false kind of facade about him, which was that, of course, he's been there for 10 years, so everyone respected him for that. However, he wasn't getting the results, especially this season. And it seemed as though he had a free pass because he was there for 10 years. I'm not saying it was the right decision to sack him, but if that was any other manager at any other club in the form that they were, I mean, Watford, well, they changed the managers every other week, but um, Norwich, they changed the manager, I think, in November, December time. Um, and then obviously Everton, if they changed their their manager, Burnley are the only team who kind of held the gun until the final stages of the season. And, you know, we can't even say it's a new manager bounce because the manager is uh, Michael Jackson. And I'm not talking about the one who did Thriller. So um, <laughs> I, had an, I had a good laugh. That was good to be fair. When they announced that he was getting the, the job on a caretaker basis, some of the tweets. No, I had good. to blink my eyes a little bit. I had, a, I had good fun doing the, the preview yesterday for that one yeah. as well. Got to be starting something. <laughs> Putting a few good puns for that one. Um, but I mean, yeah, MJ's doing a great job so far with, with Burnley. And uh, <laughs> he's doing a great job so far. Two wins from two and I think we'll all be pretty humbled if, if he manages to, to yeah. pull off um, the miracle. But again, with Everton, it just looks like... It, well, I, I knew it was going to be the case where as soon as they beat Manchester United, they wouldn't win the next game. It just seems as though that game is the game that teams use as the motivational game to then get them onto you know a bit of momentum but it just seems as though it's very stop and start for Lampard's side so and with um I think is it uh, Chelsea and Chelsea and Arsenal next or Chelsea and Manchester City I think what Everton you mean yeah yeah maybe I'm not sure I know Burnley have got Uh, Wolves they've got 
they've got Wolves to come in their next game, so there's an opportunity yeah, for the, points there for them as well. There's some difficult games to come for both of them, but like I, like I mentioned in the last podcast, Burnley, I knew the only way, I think, for them to stay up is if they ended up doubling their, their wins, which was four, and they're already halfway there, so who knows, but I definitely would not rule them out. Yeah, I mean, it could easily have gone toxic, Marley, if things didn't go their way, the way that Sean Dyche was sacked with not really any respect paid to him on the way out if that makes sense the statement was very uh, cold and calculated it was just like Sean Dyche is gone there wasn't even a thanks for your service or anything like that so with the way that that transpired and the way it shocked the fans things could easily have turned toxic if they didn't get a result or didn't play well last night yeah it could have and uh you don't want a toxic Burnley um you don't want the you don't want the fans to uh to come for you when you've you know you've you're just there sort of in a caretaker caretaker role but yeah they, they they desperately needed that win last night I think it's I mean every game for them is the most important game of the season but in terms of you know games you can you can win it's Southampton at home you know Southampton they don't travel well they don't um they're not a, a sort of hard team to beat like if if you get on top I feel like they very rarely come back and sort of um and have a bit of fight about them so once you get that first goal I think that's that's the key and you know Burnley in midweek is just a different proposition because Burnley at the weekend are, are pretty crap but um Burnley in midweek on a, a cold Tuesday Wednesday or Thursday <laughs> night you know that's 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 where they they thrive I think I don't know what the uh I think they've won five games this season and off the top of my head, I think at least two or three have been in midweek. It's it's mad. So uh, I think Burnley need to uh, hope they can have a few more midweek fixtures and and carry on winning them because they needed to win that last night. They they did well. They, they I think they had a slightly more possession than they they would normally against a team that's ha- you know half decent in possession as like Southampton. Um, I think that's I think it was forty six percent when I looked at the stats before, but. Um, Mate, why are you doing looking at stats this morning? Honestly, I mean, I think we've just leveled just it out that the there's no chance we were watching this game last night because we went out, but <laughs> we've done quite a good job talking about it. <laughs> to be absolutely fair, I didn't even know the result until we started this. So <laughs> we started this podcast, but I was, I was watching the highlights when uh, when we were talking to Jay before, and I was, you know, it, it's typical Burnley. You know, they, they scored a. The yeah. first goal de- was decent, but the the second goal was Burnley all over. You know, yeah, a, a towering header from a centre back at a corner is mm. is Burnley through and through. So, you know, they needed that, and that's yeah. I think they're, are they one point behind um, Everton. Everton, yeah. but Everton, Everton played, Everton, played Everton, a game more. Yeah. yeah, Everton have a game in hand, and obviously Everton have got Liverpool on Sunday, which they're not going to win. Yeah. You'd expect them not to win that. I mean, I think that's understandable. So yeah, um, yeah, certainly. A massive boost for Burnley and I mean the goals they scored individually were were quite good you know the first goal was a really good finish left footed into the side netting great strike and then the header is as you say typical Burnley Marley so it feels like with the quality they've got in the squad or lack thereof that's what it's going to take to keep them up moments like that they just need to keep producing those small moments of quality as, as hard as it might be because they're probably lacking in that department really when you look at their squad and shape it up against everyone else's, but it's you know they're up against it, and they're going to need that sort of that sort of those sorts of moments to keep them to keep them up. Yeah, they are. Um, they need they could have, they could do with uh, Vegas starting to to score a couple more because um, you can't you can't rely on on centre backs and and full backs scoring uh, scoring goals to win your games. But 
you know, um, yeah, I mean, the, the time's running out. I think there's, there's a six games to go for them. Um, so, you know, you, you need to, like you said before, you know, do do one or get off the pot type of thing. So it's um, it's coming down to it now for, for Burnley. But, you know, they've made the big choice. They've made the big decision in, in their in their season, which is uh, sacking Sean Dyche. And, you know, they, it, there needs to be a reaction to that, I think. You know what? I almost think, are they best leaving leaving the manager's position to the end of the season um, because of the or because of a few things to be fair, but mainly because they've they've won in the short term, but also if you're going to bring in another manager, he's going to, he's going to have his ways of doing things, and they're not going to be Burnley's way. So there's going to have to be a period of of adaptation, and in the six games that you've got, have you got that? that cushion to to let a new manager adapt because I'm not sure you have. Um, I don't think, you know, if you bring in Chris Wilder, Chris Wilder had a, like, just speaking on uh, on what the bookies are saying about who's the favourite, Chris Wilder Mm. played mainly possession-based football at Sheffield United and that is going to take, I'd argue that it'd take at least six weeks to to start to see the, the sort of, you know um, the the results of mm. of his training methods and stuff like that, and Burnley don't have that. So yeah. you know, almost getting rid of Deitch and, and keeping, you know, Michael Mike Mike Jackson, um, uh, <laughs> Michael Jackson, Mike Jackson, whatever it is, um, keeping him as as a thing because he knows how they used to play, and he knows, you know, he's he's a fresh enough face for the owners to to say, you know, well, this guy's new, sort of thing. Is it? Yeah, I almost think it's best to just keep him and uh, and and see what he does because you've almost signed your own death warrant by by sacking him and and then getting a new manager in who 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 you know wants to make them play possession based football. It's just it's not going to work in the in the six weeks you've got. So give it to Michael Jackson and hope the rest of the season's a thriller. <laughs> Give it Jacko till the end of the season. Yeah, <laughs> Burnley moonwalked their way to three points yesterday, whilst uh, Southampton were bad. Joel, what I did there. Yeah, it was a pretty good one. Um, you know, we were talking yesterday, Joel, that Southampton could finish in the top ten potentially. Got some decent fixtures on the run in, but they do this a lot, don't they? And I'm not just saying this from a Pompey fan's perspective, but they'll go and play well, and they'll beat Tottenham when they were up against it, and they'll go and pull a result out of nowhere and beat one of the better sides in the league. And then they'll go and lose 6-0 or they'll get beaten by Burnley. And, and you know, they play well for a while, then they lose. And, and that seems to have been something that has haunted Ralph Hasenhurtl ever since he took the job. You know, he's done a decent job at Southampton. I think everyone can respect that he's he's quite a good manager. But they've lost 9-0 a few times. They've lost 6-0. They've lost to Burnley. They, they'll they go and win a few games. And then when they lose, they're rubbish. Yeah, they're very, very inconsistent. Um, like you mentioned, they're a team who's conceded nine goals in the space of two seasons. In you know, I think it was against Leicester and obviously the Manchester United game. That's totally unheard of in the Premier League. And it just seems it's very strange how, for example, last week they managed to get an amazing result against Arsenal. Um, away from home as well, and then you know the pre- the the week prior they end up losing six nil to Chelsea, and now they go away to Burnley and they they lose two nil. It's I don't I really don't know what's going on behind the scenes there in terms of the defense, in terms of the the strategy before games. It's it's very it's very unpredictable. That's the best way to describe it. And 
it seems as though, for example, they do very well in terms of their recruitment for the forward line. Uh, a, a great example is Armando Broja, which has been, he'll, he'll end up getting an amazing move in the summer. I really like the look of him. Um, and then obviously prior to that, you had Danny Ings, who the season he left scored, I think, 19 Premier League goals. So in that end of the pitch, they do, they're doing really well. It's the defence, which seems to be just completely capitulating. And it's not like they have bad plays there either. Um, you know, Carl Walker-Peters is one who got an England call-up not long ago. So I just don't understand what the why where the inconsistencies are coming from. But you have to definitely, like you say, give credit to the fact that he's making Southampton a very established Premier League club still. Uh, the 13th in the league. Although the the month of March was a month which was one to forget, I think they lost every single game that month. They got knocked out of the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Even still, they're still there and they're safe in the Premier League. And I think for a club like that, that's all you can ask for unless you know the owners want to start dipping their hands in their pockets because next season they're going to be without Broja and they're going to have to find a massive transfer which can fill the void of not only him but of Danny Ings's goals that they've lost so next season could be a, a very testing season for them if they don't fill that area Burnley 2 Southampton nil. final score in the Premier League last night as Marley mentioned earlier Burnley still 18th and in the bottom three looking like they're going to go down back to the championship after six or seven years in the top flight they are just one point off of Everton however they do have a worse goal difference and Everton do have a game in hand but the Toffees next match is this weekend against Liverpool. That game and some of the other fixtures previewed on the dugout, which will be out later. But next, on today's edition of Football Social Daily, we'll be talking about transfers, because it's that time of the season again. The room meal is firing up, and we'll talk about those next after this. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. OK, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back. Final part of today's Football Social Daily from Sports Social, your daily Premier League podcast. Now we are approaching the end of the season. There's only a month to go. And so the back pages are full of transfer rumours and a lot of them, as you'd expect, dominated by Manchester United speculation and stories. They've got a new manager and as such, people are trying to join the dots and figure out who Manchester United could sign uh, under Eric Tenag for next season. The first one, though, is a potential outgoing. And I think we'll see a few of those at Old Trafford this summer. That's for sure. Allegedly, according to Sport, the Spanish newspaper, Barcelona want Marcus Rashford, who's had a poor season at Old Trafford, it has to be said. And with a summer of change expected at Old Trafford, Marley, would it still be a bit of a shock to see someone like Rashford, who's played more than 200 games now for Manchester United, leave the club? Is that how long it's been? 200 games? Wow. Jesus. Yeah. Um, mm. It doesn't, doesn't seem like five minutes ago since he was making his debut against uh, Midtjylland in the... Uh... Was it the Champions yeah. League or the Europa League? I can't remember, but... Um, yeah, Louis van Gaal gave him his debut yet. You're right. Yeah, and that's... Well, van Gaal... <laughs> van Gaal will always say, oh, I give him his debut, but he he was forced into it, to be fair. He was he had no yeah. other strikers. Um, mm. But yeah, I think 
if he left, I I think it's um I think it's weird because if you're if you've got a new manager, it's strange to leave. At you know, as a new manager comes in, you're leaving. I think that's that's strange because you don't know what he's gonna what he's gonna like, what he's gonna um you know who he's gonna prefer. Excuse me, uh, prefer in the um in the the system he plays and what have you. You know, I think if you look at Ten Hag coming in. He, he plays four three three. Rashford will probably fancy his chances of of getting in the front three on that left side, opposite, uh, you know, opposite Sancho on the right, and he, you know he'd probably iron himself up for that that space on the left hand side. So, I think leaving now when you know a manager's coming in in the summer is doesn't really make much sense to me. So, I can see this just being paper talk because his his form's not been amazing, um, and he's he's sort of you know he's had a lot on his plate for the last. Uh, 18 months, two years, sort of thing. So he's come off the uh, come off the back of that shoulder. I think did he have shoulder surgery in the, at the end of last season? Um, yeah. Then he's had kept him out, yeah, yeah, till October. So his first game of the season was in mid October. Yeah, it's you know it's there's been that, and then there's been you know the 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 stuff in his in his personal life, which is you know very different to what anyone else has been sort of battling for the last few years. So. Um, yeah, I, I would. I think it just needs a fresh start. To be fair, you you look at Rashford and think, you know, there's obviously talent there. We've we've seen it. We've, you know, he, he was England uh, in the England squad at like eighteen or seventeen, eighteen, whatever he was. So there's clearly talent there. It just needs to be. I think it just needs an arm around him, the right arm around him to to sort of um, unlock it a little bit more. And and Ten Hag will will know this, and he'll he'll have done his research when he comes in. So. I feel like it's he'll, he'll stay, and uh, I, I can't really, I can't picture him in another shirt. To be fair, um, whether that's you know anyone really, I can't see him in, in anything other than a Man United shirt. I would agree with that, and I think with the way things are looking up front for Manchester United, with uh, Mason Greenwood obviously uh, understandably not playing at the moment, Cristiano Ronaldo on the sort of tail end of his career. Edinson Cavani on the move in the summer. Martial on loan at Sevilla and probably won't stay at Manchester United. They they do need forward options. And Rashford, even though he's having a bad season, everyone knows it, everyone can see it. He's still a good player. And as Marley says, maybe the introduction of Ten Hag might make a difference uh, to his form next season. But the reports from Sports, the Spanish paper, are that Barcelona are interested in Rashford's services. We're going to stay with Manchester United because, as we mentioned before, lots of rumours about them and their possible recruitment in the summer. One of whom is uh, Declan Rice, the West Ham United captain, still in his early 20s, an England international, an England starter, a very, very good player, Declan Rice. We know that. And according to The Guardian, Joel, Eric Tenag wants Rice as one of his new summer signings at Manchester United. Should the powers that be at Old Trafford go big to get Rice out of West Ham? They desperately need a central midfielder. West Ham desperately want to keep him, but it's probably going to cost £100 Is it something that United should do, in your opinion? Yes, but not for that price. Um, I think United need to learn from the past mistakes of overspending, especially for... I'm not saying overrated because he's a great player, but overpriced English players, put it that way. I mean, Harry Maguire, 80 million. This is the reason why he gets so much criticism because of his price tag. But the reality is he's not an 80 million pound player. And that's the kind of 
the sword he has to fall on every single time mm. because he isn't that he isn't that player. It's not his fault, is it? More. It's not his fault. Yeah, it's not mm. his fault at all. And this is the problem. Price tags will always be with players, regardless of their quality. So when you know it happens to everyone, Paul Pogba, ninety million, Lukaku, a hundred million. If these players cost half they would get half the amount of pressure. It's just the fact that everyone has great expectations with great price tags. And with Declan Rice, he is a great player, like one of the best holding midfielders in the league by far. However, 100 million would just be a ridiculous amount to spend when I feel as though there's just so many more better options and more sensible options for half the price. Uh, one being Shuameni from Monaco, who I think is a great player, but it seems as though he's on his way to Madrid. There's, there's countless options, and I just don't think for the for the situation that United are in at the moment where we might end up not getting into the Champions League as well, Blowing half your transfer budget on Declan Rice, who I don't think is going to be the per- the person who changes the team dramatically. Don't get me wrong, a midfielder is desperately needed, but I feel as though the funds need to be spread in a bit more of a sensible way. And a hundred million is just that's like that's a hundred that that kind of transfer transfer was a transfer that Ed Woodward would have done, and that's what we need to not do. So I think going forward, I don't think it'll be a player unless it's a cheaper price. I get what you're saying, Joel. I totally get what you're saying, that there are probably options as good as Rice or close to being the level of Rice available for a a much smaller fee. But we've often said about Manchester United, Marley, that there is a lack of leadership there. You don't look at that starting eleven, whoever it may be that Rangnick puts, puts out this season and think, you're a natural leader, you're someone who can sort of... uh, lift the side up and command them and drive them on to success. However, Declan Rice has proven that he is a leader. And obviously we know that West Ham will want a lot of money for him. But is part of the signing of Rice not just his ability on the ball and what he brings on the football pitch in terms of technical skill, but also the leadership element of it? Because Joel's right, Chouameni is an excellent player for Monaco and I'm sure would improve Manchester United. The same as, uh, for instance, Yuri Tielemans at Leicester is a very good player and will probably improve at Manchester United midfield if they buy someone like him. But when you buy Declan Rice, you also get that leadership element, which is something that United have been severely lacking on the surface. Yeah, yeah, you do. Um, He he has got that mentality, hasn't he? You know, we've we've seen it from from an early age. As, As soon as he came into the team, really, you know, two probably two years ago is it now so he's always had that um that mentality of uh of you know leadership and and you know leading from the front type of thing and, and not not hiding away you know we he, he speaks well and he he sort of on the pitch you know he, he's the one you know giving out instructions and, and geeing up his, his teammates type of thing so i do think he's uh he's, he's sort of a double-edged sword when it comes to if he signs for someone, because you you do get both those things, but I think um, I would I would kind of question whether he could be that leader at Man United, um, just because of the amount of the amount of egos, the amount of wages flying around that dressing room. Could you, you know, are they going to react to to a, a 23, 24 year old coming in and and uh, you know telling them what to do and you know you know demanding more from them and and that, and that kind of thing. So. I would, I think he's at the right club in terms of his leadership because West Ham weren't that good before he uh, when he came in they were they were sort of bottom half comfortably, um, and sort of 
trying to stay as far away from the relegation zone as they could, and now they've got a hundred million pound rated midfielder in in uh, in midfield, and you know he's the 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 crown in the jewel. Uh, sorry, the, the jewel in the crown, um, <laughs> and he's you know uh, he's, he's a mint player. I can't see him going to Man United this summer because. I can't see him anywhere other than Chelsea in my head. To be fair, because um, he's a, a London boy and he he was at he was at Chelsea as a as a ten, eleven, twelve year old, whatever it was. But he's, uh, his best mate's Declan. His best Ma- mate's not Mount. himself. His best mate is Mason Mount. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And it's yeah. It's one of those where, um, I'm not. I mean, he's he's never lived up north, has he? It's 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 a big move for a twenty three, twenty four <laughs> year old. You know, it's 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 all that you've got to think of. You know, you're taking him away from his family. You you know you're going to a new club where there's there's work to be done. There's a, a there's a transitional period coming for Man United. You know is is a hundred million pound on him, um, worth it? Um, I as good a player as he is, I think the money can be spent better on someone that does what Rice does. Maybe not to the level of of Rice does, but someone you know someone's out there who can who can do what mm. you need to do. Um, and his name's probably Ruben Neves, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, well, yeah, he's Neves is a very good player. I mean, there's there's options there for Manchester United, no doubt about it. And you speak about moving up north. I was a similar age to Declan Rice's now when I moved to Manchester, and uh, I'm just about used to the rain. <laughs> Saying that, it's a very nice day today in Manchester, it has to be said. Uh, talking of £100 million players and talking of Chelsea, Lukaku has been an issue for Thomas Tuchel this season. He's really not performed. £97.5 so just a jot under £100 mil they paid for for him in the summer they bought him from Inter Milan and it looks like he could be on his way back to Milan if goals report is to be believed AC uh, Milan are allegedly in for him um, this summer according to the online publication it's hard to tell what's going to happen at Chelsea this summer Joel with so much uncertainty Marley says that he could see Declan Rice ending up there we don't know who the owner is going to be next season of Chelsea we, we don't know what the situation is with transfers we don't even know if they're allowed to sell season tickets yet obviously this sort of not embargo but this uh, license that they're operating under expires on the 31st of May so maybe by the start of the transfer window we'll have a little bit of a, a greater idea of what the situation is at Chelsea but according to this report from Goal Lukaku could be on his way to AC Milan um, is that a move you think Chelsea fans will welcome do you think they'll be able to recoup much of a fee for him how do you see the situation I think Lukaku's fell victim to that grass is always greener syndrome where in Milan, <laughs> I don't know if you if people have seen it, but he had murals around Milan of him. And for an Italian club and Italian fans to do that for someone, that means mm-hmm. you are like godlike status in that city. When you go to Naples, you'll see Diego Maradona everywhere on the streets. Or if you go to Rome, you'll see Francesco Totti everywhere on the streets. Lukaku was edging towards that status, not in terms of, you know, how long he'd been there, because he'd only been there for a couple of seasons, but he brought the Scudetto back to Milan after a decade. And for a striker to do that and then leave, and now he feels zero love at Chelsea. Obviously, he did that really dramatic interview with the Italian media, and that, that was literally the writing on the wall for me. After that, it's never been the same. Even when he did his uh, apology in uh, apology video for the Chelsea fans, it was absolutely forced and fake. It was the 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 club literally forcing him to say, "Please, can you draw a line in the sand?" And you could tell he didn't want to do that because he's gone to a club now, and I think it was very predictable before he went. Where he's gone back to the Premier League, we know 
for Manchester United, he wasn't effective at all. He didn't suit the style of play. And again, at Chelsea, it's been the exact same thing. And I don't know if it's the fault of Thomas Tuchel thinking that he could slot into the system he wants to play. Or I know what you're the- saying, right? But at Manchester United, Lukaku wasn't bad, right? I know he didn't score in the big games, but his record was like one in two. Yeah, at he, Manchester United. He's, I think he scored, what is it, 40 goals in 80 games or something like that? I mean, it's, he's got a decent record at Manchester United. So I think the difference now is, Joel, he's not scoring any goals at Chelsea. He's had plenty of opportunity to do so. You know, he had a, an opportunity against, was it Crystal Palace the other day? And he hit the post from about four yards out when yeah, he had he, an open goal. And it's like, at Manchester United, he, he, it obviously wasn't working and you can understand why Lukaku got sold. I totally understand that. But his goal record was there. He was scoring goals at Manchester United. There were just other factors why it didn't work. For Chelsea, he's not finding the net at all. So not only have you got the fact that it's probably not working system-wise, you've also got a player who isn't scoring that costs you nearly 100 million quid. So there's a problem there. He just he just can't score at the moment. Yeah, totally don't dispute. He did. He did. He scored a decent amount at United, but that's not enough. He shot. Mm. He hid away in the big games, and he wasn't a, a striker who was going to win us the league. That's okay for a, a team who's you know maybe outside the top six, and he scores enough. But to get us towards the big titles, which is what Chelsea want, which is what United want, he was never the player. And for me, at Inter Milan, he was the guy. He was the focal point. The way in which Antonio Conte plays is absolutely surrounded by that striker up front as we've seen with Harry Kane I feel like he's going to go up a level if he stays at Tottenham and he's starting to get into his groove again because every striker that plays under Conte he ends up going up a level we saw it with Diego Costa as well at Chelsea um, he, they, go, they go up a level in terms of their ability or Eden Hazard and for me, into Milan he was just the focal point at Chelsea it just doesn't feel the case anymore and again with Chelsea, it's the fact that they have so many teams pinned back and he's not the striker who can, you know, run in behind because teams sit back against Chelsea. And I just, I think Chelsea needed a striker who's a little bit more technical on the ball, um, someone who can get involved with the build-up play, that kind of that kind of thing. And I just feel as though with, um, with the way in which Chelsea operate under Thomas Tuchel, he just doesn't fit. And again, like you say, it would be okay if he started scoring because then it would mask his performances. But when the striker isn't scoring anything. And it seems to be the case with many Chelsea strikers. There seems to be some kind of voodoo curse on the on the forward line there. I don't know why it never works. It's very rare. Um, it just doesn't seem to work out for them. But I 100% believe he'll be going in the summer. And like you just mentioned at the start, the uncertainty around Chelsea um, in terms of the ownership is... is is placing the club in like a no man's land. They don't know whether to stay or go. A lot of the players who are about to come to the end of their contracts, I think they're waiting to see what the situation is in terms of ownership and players who are going to leave. So it's a very weird situation for them. Uh, but I definitely believe that Lukaku, I think it's best for both parties, to be honest, mm-hmm. if Lukaku goes. I've just done some research while you were talking there, Joel. Apparently, Marley, Lukaku scored 27 goals in his first season at Manchester United. But it's funny how he isn't remembered uh, very fondly at Old Trafford. And like we've already mentioned and Joel said, you can understand the reasons why that's the case. Does he leave Chelsea in the summer, in your opinion? Should he leave Chelsea? Because I'm reluctant to write Lukaku off because we did this when he left Manchester United and then he went to Inter, won them the league, scored a shed load of goals. Um, You know, he's got more than 100 Premier League goals scores for Belgium all the time. He's still a very good player. And what's he, 28 years of age? So 
Chelsea know that there's there's a formula there that they need to strike. So is it a case of letting Lukaku leave and allowing the manager to play the system he wants or build a team around Lukaku? I mean, what's the what's the process? Do you think he should go? Um I, I think he should I think he probably should go to be fair. I think there is there's obviously a player there but it's kind of strange that we we like he can he can almost be remembered as as a bit of a flop, even though he scored over a hundred Premier League goals, and that that's a, a very weird situation to 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 sit there. But there there's more to football than, than just goals. Um, he scored, you know, one in two at Man United, but the the criticism at, at Man United was he's 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 not good enough in in the build up phase of the game, and he doesn't score against uh, the top. The top six teams, he, he sort of almost stat pads against you know your your Watfords, your Fulham's, your Norwiches, and he'll score two or three there, and that that's great. You know you need strikers that'll do that. But you look at someone like Harry Kane, and and they're in the for for a kind of similar fee, um, a, a similar transfer value. You get so much more from someone like Kane who who can play in, you know, pro, he can probably play in any system to be honest because of his, his his passing and his link up is is way better than. Than someone like Lukaku, who you know lacks the the technical ability to to form himself into another type of striker. Um, but if look, if if I think if Inter or AC came in and they had the money to to take him, and they they bidded you know sixty five seventy million, I think you could you could write off that that thirty million pound loss as as just you know bad business, and and Chelsea need to. Need to get someone who Tuchel rates because you see him in the biggest games. You know you seen him against Real Madrid and Lukaku did not start either of those legs, and he, he ended up starting Havertz, Pulisic, um, and and Mount up front. I think it was, um, and that just proves everything. Like how many ninety-seven million pound strikers don't play in the biggest game of, of Chelsea's season? It's that's how much he's fallen from from grace type of thing, and that's how how out of um, favour he is with with Tuchel. So. If if you're the Chelsea owners or Chelsea chairman or whoever makes the decisions there, you need to say to Tuchel like, okay, what are we going to do with him because we either sell him now or and and try and get as much money back before he sort of creeps towards thirty, and and his value, you know, plummets a little bit more, or do we uh, do we stick with him and and try and build the team around him because it's uh, it's a big decision to be fair because. Chelsea need to get it right because they, you know, the the gap is widening between them and and Liverpool and Man City, um, so they need to be in that conversation and and I think Lukaku's future is probably central to that. Other than, other than the the, the sort of defensive problems they've got coming up this summer, I think this is the the biggest thing about Chelsea what they need to do. Well, Lukaku on the back page is allegedly in with a chance of moving to AC Milan. Right, that's it for today's Football Social Daily. Well done, lads. We got through that in the end. We managed to. Um, Now, as soon as we stop recording, I'm going to grab a pint of water and just sit down (laughs) and relax. I think we need it. Uh, Great to speak to you both. Uh, The lads will be back on next week's editions of Football Social Daily. On a Friday night slash Saturday, you can catch up with The Dugout, which is our Premier League preview show featuring former top flight professionals, Matty Fryer and Trevor Stephen on this week's edition of the show. Fryer, 
a goal machine for Hull City and Leicester City, whereas Trevor won the Premier League with Everton and his former club take on Liverpool this weekend. We'll be talking about that game as well as Chelsea versus West Ham and Sean Dyche's departure from Burnley, plus some Eric Tenag chat too on that episode of the show. So hit subscribe and you won't miss it. And on Sunday, Fergal Brennan will be back uh, looking back at the weekend's Premier League action. I'm sure there'll be a lot to uh, get stuck into there so make sure you hit subscribe and you won't miss those but from myself Joel and Marley that is it for another week catch you next time here on Football Social Daily Football Social Daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk Hello it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favourite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing Chumba Casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply